It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. And you still like me or you you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. (laughs) I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, Longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth. In America, wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Well, hi, this is Sandy Rios with you this morning. We have a very unusual program. We have managed uh, to talk to some of the detainees in the D.C. jail. We did this just a few hours ago. Uh, There were three of them that were able to talk to us. It it was kind of an awkward process. You're going to hear that when we play the tape. Uh, But I wanted you to hear who's in there. There's something like 30 30 of them left in in the D.C. jail. And they each have a story to tell. And, you know, we, we care about these guys, and I want you to hear what they have to say. I want you to know that you can help them, I'll tell you up front, by going to givesendgo.com. Uh, each, there's three of them, and at the end of the show, I will give you each of their Give, Send, Go addresses. Also, if you'd like to write them, and many of you have been, patriotmailproject.com, patriotmailproject.com. This is amazing. Uh, you're going to, if you are like me, you will feel privileged spending some time with these guys. They are true patriots. They've suffered a lot for this country, and their story needs to be told. So go get your pen and paper, get your hot chocolate, get your oatmeal, uh, and come back to the to the radio or to the computer and sit back and listen to these stories. All right, Sandy Rios with you. And um, we have a special guest coming to us from the D.C. jail. We've talked about the detainees there so often and this, I have to tell you, is an incredible privilege. James McGrew is our first guest. James is a, a I should say to him, Simplify James. He's a disabled veteran Marine, uh, and he's been incarcerated there for, I don't know, James, how long have you been in the D.C. jail? Hey, hi, Miss Sandy. Thank you for having me today. My pleasure. James, I have been in D.C. <laughs> I'm sorry. So I've been in D.C. jail for um, uh, almost a year now. Uh, about uh, about eleven months. Okay, uh, how many prisoners are still there? I'm speaking um, of the January sixth prisoners. Uh, yeah, currently we have, uh, I think, thirty one, thirty one, maybe that I know of, thirty one here in in DC in in DC in DC jail. Okay, um, somewhere around thirty, thirty one to thirty five. I would say no more than thirty five. Some of them aren't in this actual in the actual pod with us. They're in mm-hmm. other places in the jail, and it's hard to keep count of them. Yeah. James, this is going to go fast, so I'm going to try to make the very most of this. First of all, it's a great honor to talk to you. I hope you know that. And I want you to know that people all over this country, in spite of what you see in the media, are praying for you. Certainly my listeners are, and they care very much about what happens to you. I want to ask you very quickly about your service as a Marine. When were you in, and what did you do? Um, I ser- uh, served in the Marines from 2003 to 2007. Um, I was a 03-31 machine gunner. Um, I went to Iraq in 2005, uh, served my country in combat. 
Um, I was uh, actually I was in a Humvee explosion, IED explosion, um, in 2005, and had some injuries from that, and uh, got out in 2007 after okay. a four-year enlistment. Yeah. Wow. Well, all right. So on January the sixth, uh, I can only guess, but I do want to know, you know, uh, why you went to dis- why did you go uh, to the to Washington D.C. on January sixth? What were you expecting? Um, I just basically I went to in the support of uh, Mr. Trump, you know, and President Trump. I went in support of Trump. I wanted to show my support. Um, I wanted to show up with with America and be loud and let our voices be heard. You know. Um, there were a lot of claims of, uh, you know, election fraud and other things, and uh, we were just we wanted to show up and just let our voices be heard. We wanted to do like Mr. Trump said and cheer our congressmen and and senators and representatives on, you know, and and making the right choice on that day to um, to stand up for the people and their voices. Yeah, where are you able to walk without uh, with F, without uh, any kind of uh, like a, a chair or help or anything, are you able to walk along? You must be if you manage that that day in D.C. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, no, I, I can walk. Um, yeah, I walked yeah. down the, uh, I walked down, uh, I think it was Constitution Avenue with, you know, thousands and thousands of other uh, Americans, you know, mother, another um, American patriots and yeah. just everyday average Americans who, you know, young, old children, we all walked down to the Capitol just to, just to, basically just let our voices be heard, and that was the only yep. reason we were going. You know, I had I know no other you, intentions. I know you've had you've told this story many times, and it's kind of hard sometimes when you have to tell something often. But as things unfolded, uh, it has to be the short form because of our time. But what was it that unfolded before you, from your perspective? What happened? Yes, ma'am. Um, as I got closer to the uh, Capitol. You know, um, I started hearing the uh, explosions. That was one of the first things I remember was hearing explosions. Um, um, and then, you know, I just I started paying more attention to my surroundings. As you know, um, I started seeing plumes of smoke in the air, and you know, and then you get a little closer, and and you could hear people, you know, screaming and yelling, you know, saying, you know, they've they've let tear gas loose. Um, there, you've heard people saying stuff like uh, they they found they found bombs at the uh, they have they've found bombs that they're exploding. Um, it, it really it put me into a you know war zone type uh, state. I was just I, t- I remember telling my mom um, at the edge of the grass before we got to the Capitol. I was like, stay here by this lamppost. Um, if we get if we get lost, I'll find you back here. I said I'm going to the front. You know, and I just, I didn't even think about it. I didn't even think twice about it. I just, I, I just went up towards the front and was basically just trying to be there to, to, you know, to, to just to, to help. I mean, there was nothing else. I had, I had no malicious intent in my heart whenever mm. I was going to the front. You know, it just it was just something that came natural in me to, to get up there to the front. Mm. Well, James, we, we know, explain, you know, my listeners know a lot about that day, and we've certainly, they're informed, and we know that the police, there were some very bad police there, whether they're from D.C. or whether they're from Capitol Police or whatever, whatever entity, uh, there were a lot of people stirring up trouble. 
I'm sure that not everyone that was there on January 6th is uh, perfectly, um, you know, innocent. But um, I think if you took your mother to this, you probably didn't have much, uh, you know, much in the way of uh, violence in your in your mind. So what what did you what, in your words, did you do? What is the charge against you? Tell me that. What charges are against you right now, from, in their words? And then tell me what you, from your perspective, actually did. Um, I'm being charged with, um, well, the, the main charge would be the assault on a police officer. Um, with a deadly weapon, they're saying that I, um, that I used a flagpole as, as a weapon um which is, is I can't really say much more about it other than that, but okay. I can tell you that it's it's completely untrue. Um the, the the incident that they're talking about is is it's literally two seconds of me I will say I, I would say this because it's on video and everything I've done is on video and can be refuted that that my claims are true because the video will will show that is that I tossed this flagpole not knowing that it was in the direction of officers. And it, it, there's, no, there's no victim. There's no victim statement. The flagpole didn't, it, it didn't land in a, in a manner that, that would have been uh, any, any type of danger of officers. Yeah. Um, so, so for that, you're they, in jail. You've been made, in jail. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm pushing, James, because of the time. All right, so you've been in yes, the jail now for over a year. You are a detainee. You've not been charged. Or, you know, you've not been to trial, correct? Yes, ma'am, I have not been to trial, no. All right, and have you tried to post bail? Um, we've been denied bail as a group, I mean, as a whole. I mean, I've only seen one person come through here. I think maybe two people come through here and actually get bail and those two people were forced to denounce trump say you know there was no election fraud they've been forced to pretty much you know um do everything that they they didn't believe in just to to get that bail okay. you know do you have an attorney it's, 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 i do have an attorney yes okay uh, all right, so we, in the few minutes that we have left, rather than me ask you questions, James, I, I read your piece. You've, you've written a beautiful piece about your own life and how, how, you know, your relationship with your dad. I wish we had time to go into that, but I would like to know, you know, what has this experience, this incarceration, what, what do you want us to know about that? What do you want to tell the world? Because this is going to be all over the country when we air it. What do you want people to know? Um, I, I want America to know that it, it's it's been my honor to um, to actually to stand up for for everyday Americans to stand up for everyone's you know civil rights and everyone's um, voices that that it's been my honor to do this and um, it hasn't been easy on myself or my family but um, you know I wouldn't take back anything. Um, I wouldn't take it back. Um, I believe that, you know, God has a purpose for me in my life and that, you know, and he, if he places me here to do his work for a while, then, then this is what I'm going to do. Um, I just want America to know that we, we want them to be our voices now. We want them to stand up and be loud for us and carry on our voices out there. And, um, and we'll, 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 still, we'll stay fighting from inside here. 
All right, James, uh, it's a privilege to talk to you. Maybe we can do this again. And, and you know, I'd love look forward to meeting you in person someday. When that party happens, I'm going to be there, all right, to celebrate your freedom. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. All right. Thank, thank you, thank you James. Yeah, you're very welcome. And now we have uh, Shane Jenkins, I think. Uh, he's our next. Let me just tell you, while he's making his way to the phone, he's a political prisoner in the D.C. Gitmo, which is interesting to me because at Gitmo, they each gained like 20 pounds. They can get out in the courtyard Hello. and play. Hi, Shane. Uh, good. It's very Hi, nice to you? have you. I'm good. This is Sandy Rios, and it's a real privilege to talk to you, Shane. Uh, I understand you're a Cowboys fan. Is that right? Oh, yes, ma'am, of course. <laughs> yes, ma'am. So you're a Texas boy. Unfortunately, <laughs> Yes, ma'am. What, what were you doing? What was Shane Jenkins doing before January 6th? Um, I was living in Houston, and I was living at Charm Prison Ministry, uh, which is something that really helped me after I got out of prison. But I was serving there, and I was selling uh, commercial roofing. So when you went to the capital, well, not the capital, the capital of the United States is Washington, D.C., so that area is the capital. Why did you go, Shane? What was your motivation? Well, you know, and I know my story is not typical of everybody, but I do kind of have a checkered past, and so I had been in and out of trouble with the law, and I had always been either in jail or on parole or whatever, and I had never voted in an election until uh, November 3rd of 2020. And when I watched what happened um, the night of the election... You have one minute left. And then... Shane, we have about 45 seconds, and then we're going to say goodbye, then we're going to call you back, okay? So if you could do, just finish okay. your sentence. <laughs> yes, ma'am. No, I I just witnessed what happened to the election, and I felt like I, I had the opportunity. I'd never been to D.C., and I wanted to just go voice my grievance with, with our government. And uh, so that's how I ended up going to the Capitol. Uh, in, in short, until they cut us off here, um, what, what, what in, in a paragraph or in a sentence, uh, what happened that was so shocking to you? Were you expecting anything like what you saw at the Capitol? No, ma'am, not, not at all. Uh, I expected to go see a second round of speeches, which was headed by Mike Pompeo. And uh... Thank you for using Securus. Goodbye. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Okay. If we can go back and touch on the previous question for a second, if that's possible, or sure, can you just jump in and start and answer it? I can't remember what the question was, <laughs> but uh, yeah, just yes, jump in. Yes, you were asking what what brought me what brought me to the Capitol, and I just wanted to say that you know ultimately the elections are the you know, the bedrock of what our nation is built on, really any nation is built on, and if, if we're not willing to make sure that our vote counts, then we're just waiting on the installment of the next dictator or the next uh, tyrant that the people who are really in power want to put in place. And so really that was ultimately what led me there. Shane, I want to read something you wrote. Uh, you wrote... 
speaking of you, all of you, you guys have become like brothers in that jail. You said, we are thankful, and this is written in Thanksgiving, and rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. And of course, that's Romans 5, 4. And you go on to say, we thank God that the truth is on the way. Thankful that it's easy to tell a lie or push a narrative, but it's hard to cover up the truth. I wanted people to hear that, Shane, because um, because they, we may not have time for them to hear the deep thoughts that you have. I do want to ask you about something you wrote about, because one of the reasons, you know, uh, that people don't support you, and you bring it out in this little thing that you wrote, is that they say, you know, violence is never the answer. That's kind of an easy, like it's a phrase, it's it's a phrase, and you take you take that on in this. T- talk, speak to that. Violence is never the answer. That's why you're criticized by people who maybe otherwise would come around you. They say it was wrong to have a show any kind of violence. What is your what is your position on that? Well, you know, I, so that's kind of a big question, but I I, I do I, in somewhat of a way I do agree that violence is never the answer. You know, like if I wanted to go protest the election results or the way the election was handled, then obviously I can't go violently to the Capitol. However, for instance, when I approached the Capitol and I witnessed the violence that was happening to other people and um, in other situations in my life, whenever I defend someone or stand up for someone, violence is sometimes what is used to stand up for people. And whenever I got engaged in what I got engaged in, it was not... Um, for the sake of election fraud or the sake of uh, taking on the temple of democracy, like my judge so eloquently put it, but it was in defense of, you know, I had been assaulted. I had been pepper sprayed four different times. I had witnessed uh, an elderly man be beaten in the head and bleeding profusely. I had witnessed uh, Victoria White and heard her screams for mercy and cries in the tunnel and um, then to see Roseanne Boylan be beaten while she was unconscious on the ground and be kicked like she was a piece of trash. So to say that violence is not, you know, at least equal force is not merited in that in that point is just not, you're not looking at the facts. I, I understand what they mean when they say violence is not the answer. Of course, violence is not the answer. To go to the Capitol and violently attack the Capitol Police or violently attack the Capitol because we're upset about an election that's a true statement. However, to say that when you witness police beating people, beating, beating the hell out of people, and subsequently Roseanne Bourne died, but um, and we don't know if it's results of the assault that she took, but she was struck in the head four times while she lay unconscious on the ground by a police officer with a stick in front of, you know, any red-blooded American man that sees a woman that ha- that happened to a woman is going to automatically um, react to that situation. So I, although I agree with what their meaning is, you can't, they weren't there and they haven't looked at the facts of what really happened that day. So that's what, what I would say is, is just give it some time, let the facts work themselves out. And, but to just say, oh, violence is never the answer. Whenever you're being attacked and fighting for your life and you can't breathe and you've been struck in the head and I mean, there's a, there's a lot that, that happened that day. So I would just say just just give it some time. And it's like when I said that the truth, you know, the truth will work its way to the top. Unfortunately, it's taken, 
you know, 15 months to this point, and, you know, as we saw in the Michigan uh, kidnapping plot, that it's take, it took them 18 months to get acquitted and the other two to get a hung jury. So, uh, unfortunately, we're guilty until proven innocent. Um, you know what's now. interesting? You know what's interesting, Shane? I think the American people uh, that are paying any attention are, are, are squarely in your court. They know something really, really unfortunate happened there, um, and not, not an insurrection. It's the D.C. Beltway that's blinded. But I don't want to waste our time talking about that dreadful place, although that's where you are right now, unfortunately. I want to know if you have a family. Do you? Yes, ma'am, I do. I have uh, five children. I am single and uh, not married, but I do have five beautiful babies, three daughters and two boys. What were you doing? Oh, you were working with that mission, the Houston... Charm Prison Ministries, is that what you said? Is that what you called it? Yes. yes you know what? I'm curious about something because so many of the guys I've read their stuff, not just today, but others, because I, I talk about this a lot. I'm firmly, I'm, I'm a big, uh, I fan sounds silly, but I'll say that. I, I'm so proud of you guys and your courage, I cannot tell you. And, um, but um, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, there seems to be, uh, so many of the guys, including you, of course, express faith in Jesus. Was that always the way when you got thrown into that D.C. jail, or has it changed in any way since you uh, you were already that? Has it changed in any way in terms of the group dynamic? Uh, well, yeah, specifically in the group, it, it has changed. You know, I've seen, you know, particularly uh, Scott Fairley. I'm sorry, I'm getting emotional. Um, you know, he was not really a solid believer. I think he was a believer, but he just didn't know how to... Uh, apply that to his life, and so through the Bible study that we've been having here that I've been blessed to lead, um, I just got to see him grow, and then I got to see him uh, witness to his wife and watch them listen to him read um, the scriptures together over the phone, and just, so there has been a, you know, a a growing of men's faith, and people ask me, how do you stay upbeat, Shane, and I just, it gives me an opportunity to just share my faith, and so uh, to see it has changed. You know, we've we've all, in one way or another, thrown everything we've had at, at our situation, and whether it's money, lawyers, uh, called-in chits, or people that we think are influenced, you know, that, that are high up that can help us and all these things, and nothing has seemed to work. And so, it, unfortunately, in my case as well, it seemed like the last person that I wanted to turn to was Jesus Christ. And so... Um, Really, it has been a, sh a honing of my faith, and I see the men's faith growing. And obviously, we have struggles in here, but to know that ultimately, like we say a lot, trust the plan, but ultimately, it is trust God's plan um, and what is He is doing. And so, yeah, Shane, that's beautiful. You know, you guys, <laughs> the way you talk and the way you write, it's almost like there's no problem, <laughs> but I know better. I know better. You guys have endured terrible. Uh, terrible things in that in that jail. It's shameful, uh, and yet I sense that when I talk to you guys, it's just that you just shine brightly. And man, and you think those those guards that have been so hard on you guys, uh, they can't it they can't help but see that shame, and that's a whole other issue. But we I I'm at the end of my time with you. I want to tell people if they want to help you, givesendgo.com slash shane. January the 6th. GiveSendGo.com, Shane, January 6th, and we will give that address a little bit later as well. But Shane, God bless you. Uh, we Now we know you, and we can pray for you specifically, and we will do that, I promise, okay?
Thank you so much, man. And we appreciate all your efforts and for supporting us. It's been a, a real blessing. So thank you very much. You're very welcome. It's been my honor. Okay, Robert is our next victim. <laughs> Robert Gieswein. Gieswein okay. is the German. Gieswein? Right <laughs> okay, all right. He's called Bobby, yep. and he's he's actually the Patriot Pod Chef. I'll tell you while he's coming to the to the phone here. Um, he hello. had a hello, Bobby. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good, and thank you for the privilege of having a chance to talk to you today. I understand you're the Patriot Pod Chef. Uh, yeah, I, I used to be. I've been trying to lose some weight, so oh. <laughs> it's hard okay. with all the carbs and the and the salt and the, the commissary food. Bobby, how old are you? I'm 25. I didn't think from reading your story, I didn't think you could be very old, and you have a a mom and a sister who a sister is very sick back in Colorado and your mom's taking care of her and she's because you can't work because you're incarcerated your mom's carrying a pretty heavy load right now isn't she yeah and uh my stepfather who was best dad i've ever had he passed away um january 18th of 2018 and so after he passed away i i uh took care of my mom and my sister along with my own family. Um, so it's really it's really hard with me, incarcerated right now. Yeah. Bobby, t- do you have a wife and family? Um, I had a longtime girlfriend. Um, we would have been together about seven years now, um, and she has three children. Um, but with me getting incarcerated, it was very stressful for her, so we kind of split her split ways and um, so that she can keep her mental strength. Well, it's been hard on all of you guys. I know some marriages have just uh, not survived this, and others are under terrible strain. And you guys have lost your income. Uh, you, you, can't, you can hardly have contact with your families. It's just it's horrific, really. Uh, let me just say that uh, Bobby is being held without bond, as the rest of them, you know, for some reason. They're detainees, but they can't, you know, post bond. They're especially egregious characters, I guess, and you know from hearing them and from reading their stories that that's just not the case. He faces six charges and over 50 years in prison. Uh, do you have good representation, Bobby? Uh, no, unfortunately I do not. I um, she She's good in her own regard, but uh, it's just a public defender with the uh, Virginia Eastern District public defenders. She... Um, volunteered to help D.C. because there were so many cases. Well, public defenders, of course, are not, I know well, uh, they generally, as a class, of, as a, as a genus, a species, uh, they're not conservative and they're probably not going to be sympathetic to you being on in uh, D.C. on January the 6th. By the way, why did you go on January the 6th? What did you hope to accomplish? Uh, well, Myself personally, I I wanted to be there to support Trump, obviously, but I, I knew with uh, it being kind of the last hurrah, and, and in my mind, this is my opinion, even though they're trying to keep me on thought crimes and whatever else, the, the election 2020 was completely rigged, if not fully stolen. Um, so I had went... Uh, in anticipation of Antifa having a big presence in uh, BLM. So I that's the reason why I was wearing protective gear 
like bulletproof vests and and those types of things. Um, even the government, even though the government wants to say I was there to overthrow or or whatever <laughs> they had in their mind, I don't know. I was there to protect innocent Trump supporters from Antifa and BLM because, like we know, they do attack innocent Trump supporters. Yes, I can tell you that firsthand. And uh, Bobby, let me just say for you, on your behalf uh, that you went there and you ended up meeting you some have of the one Proud minute Boys. Left. We have one minute. Oh. You were not a proud boy, but you met them and you got to know them and you were help trying to, you know, you were just there with a massive crowd. You've never been to a big place like that. Uh, one, one last question. Well, actually, Bobby, you have a minute. Just tell people what you want, want them to know, but you have to do it quickly. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Can you just tell people what you would like for them to know? You just have 30 seconds now. What, what would you want to communicate to people listening? Uh, stay strong, have faith in our country. Uh, I know that we're living in a post-constitutional communist overthrow, and it, there is hope. There's light at the end of the tunnel. They, they're they not going to be able to suppress all of our voices and, and incarcerate all of us. We're going to be able to make it through this. Um, it's the will of God that, that we persevere as far as we have anyways, and good is greater than Thank evil. Thank you for using the Thank you. Goodbye. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Okay, Robert. Okay, let me give you, you did a great job, by the way, of, of talk, talking to us about what you want to communicate. But um, just tell me if you, you don't have, you have a public defender. So do you have a trial date yet? Uh, yeah, they they keep on pushing me out further and further. It's uh, I think my trial date's not until October twenty fourth. <laughs> oh my goodness! And when they, and I, when I got they... go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say I I've never been in trouble with the law ever in my life. I've been a huge uh, Second Amendment pro constitutional supporter and. And done a lot of my own personal rallies and stuff like that. And I always have a good relationship with law enforcement. As soon as I learned about my warrant for my arrest uh, after January 6th, I turned myself in uh, January 18th of 2021. Yeah, I've been I'd... held without bond since then. You know, um, I was just talking to Matthew uh, uh, Perna's aunt this morning. And she, you know, Matthew turned himself in too. Uh, he was he because he just he knew he hadn't done anything. He said, "There's no way I haven't done anything uh, that would warrant, you know, crim- it was no, nothing criminal. I was allowed into the chamber. I walked around, took video, uh, and so I know that so many of you guys. And of course, it's isn't it ironic, uh, Bobby, that Trump supporters have been such strong supporters of police. We have fought for them. We've uh, rallied for them. We've waved flags for them." And it's and so for them to turn around and accuse Trump supporters of attacking police, um, it's it's pretty uh, it's just hard to wrap your wrap your hands around that. And yet my audience understands that the police there were bad people in that crowd that were policemen wearing the the uniform of some kind, whether it was DC or Metro or whatever, and uh, that they were provoking the crowd. That they actually you know, fired firebombs. In fact, when did it first go south for you when you were there? What was the first thing you saw that made you say, wait, this is, something's wrong here? Um, yeah, that's, 
that's really hard because that, that people in Congress want to want to talk about PTSD from being scared for their lives and 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 all of this nonsense and that they need therapy. Not a single one of us have been offered anything like that. I was watching people being pulled out on gurneys from having heart attacks and and people being firebombed and and attacked by the police and it it was it's still I don't want to say anything specific to hurt myself even though I know that there's no fair trial in DC but I watched older men and women and even children being specifically sought out and shot by the the police and it was so confusing to me because everybody was standing there with their hands up, asking them why were they doing this to them. And there was even, we have body camera footage from that day where other police officers are asking, why are you attacking them? You know that they're going to come back. They're going to start attacking back. Why are you doing this? You're going to incite the crowd. And then they just continue to do it. And so in in my personal opinion, with with the, the, the agitators on the ground level, and with the cops, there was some kind of coordination with the DOJ to where January 6th was completely set up to entice Trump supporters to act in a way that they wouldn't normally act. And me personally, I felt as though my life and the lives of other people there were in danger. Oh, I think a lot of people shared that, especially in retrospect. And now we've seen so much more of the video. Uh, You know, initially they put out, I don't need to tell you, they put out like propaganda video that showed you know, selected minute here and there of uh, some of the worst moments, but you had no context. And now we have more context. Uh, we know that there was a, there was um, incitement in the crowd. Uh, Ray Epps certainly comes to mind telling people to go into the Capitol. It does. There was a time when you, if you would have said this was a setup, I think people would have thought you were crazy. I don't think that's true anymore. Anyone paying attention can see that something was really rotten when they did not you know, protect the Capitol. There was not enough people guarding it. Just everything aligned. It was just strange. And of course, when the police started shooting firebombs into the peaceful crowd, they were doing nothing uh, and injuring people. It was it was surreal. Bobby, uh, to you personally, I just noticed this is interesting that you're a descendant of John and Samuel Adams. Did you know you were a descendant of John and Samuel Adams? Uh, yeah, my my aunt Tina showed me the the lineage when I visited her in Massachusetts. It, it would be on the Sheehan side of the family. I don't exactly know how that uh, translates, you know, <laughs> specifically, but I do know yeah. we are descendants of of Adams. Well, that's cool. I mean, that's really that is just terrific. All right, I'm going to give you one last question here, and I'm assuming someone is standing there that's going to talk to me after you. Correct? Um, I do not know. I will ask James. He's kind of got this organized right now. So. Okay. <laughs> All right. But uh, let, let me ask you if there's anything else that you would like to say, Bobby, before I say goodbye to you. Um, yeah, I, I just want to tell everybody out there, um, first of all, thank anybody that's listening for the support that we have gotten here already. This, this would have been almost impossible uh, mentally, if it wasn't for the support of, of people around the country and even around the world, I get I get letters from people overseas even. Um, so, um, but with that said, uh, to anybody else that's listening, we really need a lot of help. We need anybody and everybody to contact their Congress people and representatives and tell them that this is absolutely ridiculous. Um, I, I need people to understand for themselves personally, even if it's not for me. 
that the DOJ and the FBI are completely rogue. They're going to entrap anybody and everybody that they can that is a conservative because this is their attempt to completely wipe out uh, conservatives. And that's that's not just an opinion. It's being shown through all these school board meetings and, and with the, the Michigan plot, just those guys just got found not guilty of a setup from the FBI. Um, so thank you, and I appreciate you guys very much. Thank you for this time. Bobby, our um, privilege. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, listen, thank you. It's a right. privilege, and hopefully see you soon. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. My pleasure. So, I don't know who's coming back to us, but we'll just find out. Is this... Hey, Miss Sandy. Um, this okay. is James. Um, I believe that's all we had lined up for today. Um, okay. All right, James. Um, let me just track back with you one more time, though. Uh, so the charges against you, you have asked for bail and haven't gotten it. Is that right? Yes, ma'am, that's correct. Yeah. And what reason do they give? Um, they, they've, the reasoning is, is that, um, it's in the interest of, in the interest of justice and, um, for this, in the safety of the community. They've called us all, you know, they basically called us terrorists. They've called us, um, insurrectionists when no one's been charged with insurrection. Um, they've come up with a whole new process called the Cressman Six. Um, they've made new guidelines to, um, hold us all, um, so they just basically they're creating laws to keep us without bail. Are they still uh, forcing people to sort of recant their belief about the election and their support of Donald Trump in order to get some kind of privilege or be released or get bail? Uh, as far as I can see, yes, absolutely. Um, the only the only two people that I've seen that I can remember seeing come through here that have gotten a bail who are out on bail now have. Yeah, put statements in recanting, you know, they, they denounced Trump. They don't believe the election was stolen. Um, they feel that they've been brainwashed. Um, you know, I mean, just, just outlandish, crazy stuff like that. I mean, and they're out on bail now. So, I mean, you can make your own decision on that. Mm. So um, are, they, are you still feeling that same pressure? In other words, is that still, have they given up on you, the core of you who are still there, or are they still pressuring you to, uh, to, to recant? I guess I could say that. I can't speak for everyone. Um, I haven't. I haven't myself been pressured. No. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I vocally told my attorneys that I would never do that. You know, I, I would never make a statement like that. I would never um, denounce my beliefs. You know, or, um, or or anything like that. I would never. I would never make a statement in support of anything like that. So James, I don't think they, they would bring that to me. James, if we, if uh, if you were to ask, if I were to ask you this, it, how could people pray for you, James McGraw, a Marine, disabled veteran Marine, incarcerated for over a year? How could we pray for you? Um, every night we stand together um, and we sing the national anthem, and we could we we've made that a prayer time also. So we would love to also pray with America um, at that time. Just, just pray for our, you know, keep our spirits high. Pray for us to stay unified as a country. Stay, pray for us to stay uh, unified as Christians, as um, all faiths. You know, um, 
You know, um, I'll, I'll say that Martin Luther King, in his message from a letter from Birmingham jail, he was speaking to all the clergymen out there, and he said, when standing up to injustice, um, one must do so openly and lovingly uh, with a willingness to accept the penalty under the law in order to arouse the suspicions of all Americans. And that, that statement holds true today. And we can just pray that we all, you know, stay unified in, in our fight for uh, justice and equal rights, civil rights, due process rights. Um, yeah. James, so. you wrote this piece. I, wrote, I read it, it, The Secrets, a story of family and self-discovery. It's very personal. And you're very honest and open about some of the demons you've struggled with and your relationship with your father and all of that. So uh, a lot of, you know, this is kind of the nature of the world we live in. Most people don't grow up in homes that are solvent with perfect parents. It's just almost, not that they ever did, but it was more likely in the past. So you've had a rough uh, upbringing and a rough past a bit, at least turbulent, we'll say that. Uh, so how has this experience in the D.C. jail affected that part of you, that that part of you that had gone through so much turmoil? Has it made it worse or better? Um, i tell you, the, my past, the the. the kind of turmoil or rough spots, patches that I've hit in my life. Um, I, I never lost faith. I never lost, 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 um, lost my faith. Um, it was always there. It always kept me, kept me getting back up and, and fighting. And I believe it's prepared me for this, for this time, because this time has, hasn't been, you know, it's been rough. You know, I hate being away from my children. I hate being away from my family. But I'm with some really strong men and um, some really strong men who stay in the word and we we just try to pick each other up, you know, daily. And it's just it's been it's been an, it's actually it's been an honor for me to do this. Um, I can honestly say that. Um, I believe my past has definitely prepared me for, uh, I guess, thickening my skin to some of the some of the things that that we endure around here. You know, when I think of you just now, I was thinking about this verse. Um, I just can't imagine what God is going to do in each of your lives. You know, I think of the verse that says, eye has not seen and ear has not heard what God has prepared for them that love him. I don't think you can even imagine, James, what your future is going to be. And I think it's the true of all those guys who have just been gone through the fire, you know, been purified. That's what they talks about in the scripture about being purified by the fire. And you guys have been in that fire for a long time. And uh, there's just, it's just going to be really exciting, honestly, to see what God does in your future. And so I, we wish you all the best, and my listeners will be praying for you. Is there anything else that they can do to help, in general, help you personally and help the others? You have one minute left. We have one minute left, um, she tells they can, us. Uh, <laughs> they can, there's, there's a lot of good sites out there. Um, uh, American Gulag, Chronicles, um, Stop Hate, um, they can uh, tune into your radio show, um, the Sandy Rios Morning Show. Um, they can just keep seeking out information, seeking out truth, and there's a lot of good information out there on what's going on with all of us. And you know, stay in touch with us. You know, write us. We we try to write back as many people as we can, and uh, continue to pray for us. All right. Well, you can count on that. So, James, uh, all I can say is goodbye and simplify, sir. And I hope to see you in person soon. Semper Fi. Thank you. Okay, thank you. All right. What a what a joy. What a what a pleasure. What a privilege. I, I am really motivated to pray and care for these guys in a brand new way. I hope that you are too. I ask you at the top of the show to get your pencil and paper. I hope you did that. 
Uh, we've been talking for months about writing to these guys, and many of you have been doing that. So I, I want, but some of you, this is the first time you've heard from them, and you didn't know you could write to them, but you can. This is the address patriotmailproject.com. Patriotmailproject.com. And if you'd like uh, updated information, you know, remember Julie Kelly is the one writing about what they're doing, what the story is with them in the courts all the time on American Greatness. That's Julie Kelly. Uh, we usually talk to her, we post her articles, but you could look on your own to American Greatness and uh, look for Julie Kelly. You can also go to a website. We've talked to the guy who does this. It's called Stop Hate. Stop Hate. They've got, he's got great videos of January 6th, and you can actually see with your own eyes, uh, you know, what happened on that day. And I think you will be amazed at how the, their, their defense of themselves does comport with reality. When you see the tapes, you can see that they're telling the truth. The, the other thing is that you can practically help them. Most of them, these guys that are still in prison, don't have good representation. I asked them about that, but they, you know, I'm sure they're, it's, it's pretty bold of them to go on national radio from that jail. And we just hope and pray it doesn't cause problems for them because we know they've been kept in solitary confinement. They've been beaten. I mean, it's, it's a horrific, uh, kept from sanitation. It is horrific. What, what's happened to them, so unlawful and so wrong. And so none of these guys are rich, and they could use your help not only to help their families, but also to help them get a decent attorney. And if you are motivated to do that, just here we go slowly. You heard Shane Jenkin. You can help him at givesendgo.com slash Shane January 6th slash Shane January 6th. James McGrew, the Marine, you can help him by going to givesendgo.com. And this is, this, is more, this is more difficult. It's G as in girl, 265J. G as in girl, 265J. And then last but not least, you can help uh, Robert Griesrein. And Robert, or Bobby, can be helped at givesengo.com. And his number is G as in girl, G as in girl, 253Q. G, 253Q. We'll actually put that on our getter page in case you didn't have your pencil with you. We'll put this information on so that you can uh, jump in and help these guys. They need your help, even if you can only give a little bit, or even if you can only afford a stamp to write a letter. I think you will be so rewarded. I, had, I know friends who've been writing to them, and they have received such a blessing from the courage that these guys have. So this was our show for today. I hope that you enjoyed it, and uh, I hope you'll be good stewards of what you actually just heard. This is Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. <laughs>